Paul, as we have gone through this section, we find that though he spoke in tongues, though he had the gift of prophecy, he felt that it was important that the church would really lean heavily in their desire to have the gift of prophecy. Have you thought about this in your own life? Do you, at night, before you go to bed, pray, Lord, and give me the gift of prophecy? You know, I've been thinking about that a lot as we've been going through this section because I realized that it is not part of my prayer life. I rarely ask the Lord to give me prophetic visions, maybe because I'm afraid of what I might see. But he said in 1 Corinthians 14:1, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 20 through 40, finishing out this section that Paul felt that it was so important to include this section on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the proper use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. It was so important to Paul that he carved out three chapters in 1 Corinthians to deal with this topic. We're closing out this section today, but it began back in chapter 12. It is apparent that the Corinthians had issues when it came to coming together, worshiping together, and the use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the congregation, in the body of Christ. It's so apparent that they had some extreme issues and uses of the gifts that Paul had to write this letter to basically tell them that when they came together in congregational worship, that their worship should be done decently and in order. Now, This has been fascinating for me. I was raised in a denomination that taught that the Holy Spirit did not work in the lives of believers any longer, not the way we read about it in scriptures. And so I was raised in a denomination that actually taught against everything that Paul put in this letter here in chapters 12 through 14. So I realize that I have a lot of baggage that I carry into this message, that it's a lot of baggage that I wish I didn't have, but I have. And I also realize that the Word of God 
is the authority on these matters. And I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit allowed Paul to include this in his letter to the Corinthians because it gives us a balanced view of the gifts and the operation of the Holy Spirit within the church through the giftings that he gives to believers. Years ago, I probably, this is the second time I've taught through 1 Corinthians here at this church. And before, I was probably a little more nervous than I am now because through the years, I've come to trust that God's word, I've always believed this, is the foundation upon which we build our life. We can trust the word of God. If we have an issue, usually the issue is with us, not with the word of God. And what we need to do is look into the Bible and say, what, what does the Bible say? And that's what we're going to do today. As we close out here in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 20 through 40, I titled this Decently and in Order. I've given us three points. We're going to see the sign gifts in verses 20 through 25. Peace, not confusion, verses 26 through 33. And decently and in order, verses 34 through 40. We're going to go ahead and read our first point. It's found here in verses 20 through 25, the sign gifts. I'm going to read that point and open us in prayer. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there comes in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, they will, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. He is judged by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. So we thank you, Lord, for this portion of scripture. We thank you, Lord, for the instruction that you have given us and the promise that Jesus gave to his followers back in the Gospel of John, saying that after he would depart, that he would send another comforter, the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit would teach us all things. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would continue to teach us, teach us, your church this day, that which you would have for our hearts, for our understanding. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we find that here in the sign gifts that he contrasts the babes and children and the mature here in verses 20 through 22, saying that I do not want you to be children in understanding, but in malice I want you to be babes. In understanding, I want you to be mature, to be children, obviously uh, speaking of a child, but in the Greek referring to someone who is weak or even ignorant or childish in their conduct, uh, the way they conduct themselves. But babes referring to those who are innocent of evil, 
the idea here is that we are to have an innocence of evil. I think that's a great approach. Now here, specifically, he's preparing to continue to speak about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I think together in this life, there's a lot of knowledge that we can obtain in this world. And a lot of the things that we can learn about in this world, they have of no good use to even enter into our minds. There are things that we would be better if we had not known. I remember years ago when we lived in California, Pastor Chuck used a phrase that concerning sexual sin, he used a phrase that I didn't know what he was talking about. It was just a word that I'd never heard before. And my first thought was, what does he mean by that? And today, we might even in church hear a phrase, and it's like, I'm going to Google that right now in the church service. We can do that now. We couldn't do that then. But I'm glad I couldn't do that then, because the more I thought about it, I thought to myself, John, I don't want to know. If this is something in regards to sexual sin, it's a word that I have no knowledge of. I am a babe concerning malice in this regard. I don't want to know the meaning of that word. Now, through the years, over just the natural process of reading and learning, I came across that word again. Now I know. I wish I didn't know, but now I know. It would have been better if I would remained a babe in regard to a word that Pastor Chuck used while he was uh, teaching there in his pulpit many years ago. There are things in this world that we need to just We need to be babes. We need to have an ignorance in regard to certain things. Maybe it's an ignorance of music that is being played, the popular music of the day. I have a great ignorance of secular music. I have a great knowledge of Christian music because of our radio ministry, but I have a great ignorance of secular music, and I I don't mind that. I don't mind having a great ignorance in regard to secular music. I was thinking of movies and stuff. There's a lot of things that, again, I'm ignorant of a lot of the movies that are coming out today, except I was just paused because I was thinking, they can't make movies right now. What's a movie going to look like in the future? In 2021, are we going to have Zoom movies going on where the characters are meeting in separate little screens? They're doing TV shows that way, right? They're conducting, trying to do business as normal, but it's not normal any longer. There are things in this world that are of malice, of evil, that we should be ignorant of as babes. But when it comes to maturity regarding the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he says, I don't want you to be childish in understanding in this. In evil, yes, I want you to be as a babe. But when it comes to the giftings of the Holy Spirit, I want you to be Uh, mature. I want you to have this understanding. It's a word that means to be of plain thought. It's something that we have thought through and that we have learned by way of thinking. We've thought about these things. We've studied them. We've come to an understanding. Paul instructs the church to be babes as far as evil is concerned, but mature in understanding in the ways of this world and the things of faith. We're to have this maturity. 
Now, he quoted a verse of scripture that comes from Isaiah 28, verses 11 through 12. Here's the complete quote. He didn't quote everything that was written there, but the beginning and latter portion. Here's how it reads. From Isaiah 28, 11 through 12, it says, For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Now, this prophecy came from the prophet Isaiah. He was prophesying to the children of Israel in his day, talking about the judgment of God that was going to come upon their nation because they would not hear the prophets of God. In fact, we learn in, in the New Testament and even from reading in the Old Testament that Many of these prophets were stoned. They were uh, put out. They were killed. They were not listened to by the people of Israel. And so what God was saying, I'm going to send a people of stammering lips of another tongue. I'm going to send another nation to be among you. The Assyrians is the nation that he was referring to specifically here in this prophecy. He was going to bring them into captivity. He said, I brought you into this land of rest that you could rest from your weariness, that you could be refreshed, but still you would not hear, still you would not listen. But in this passage, Paul zeroes in here on two of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, on tongues and prophesying. Concerning tongues, speaking of Uh, The tongue, a language, properly, it just means the use of any language that we have. But here, the gift of tongues, referring to speaking that of a tongue that you have not learned, and yet the Holy Spirit empowers you to speak a language that brings praise and magnifies the wonderful works of God. We see it on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, verses 4 and also 11. When the church there met the 120 in the upper room and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In verse 11, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. There on the day of Pentecost, there were at least people from 17 other nations that had been listed out for us there in the book of Acts. And those from the 17 other nations, they testified. We hear them speaking in our own dialect, our own language, the wonderful works of God. It wasn't that they suddenly could speak another language, but they sounded like someone from America trying to speak Spanish. And maybe they're not so fluent I'll just lean into my wife on this one. She being born in Mexico and sounding totally American until she speaks Spanish. She sounds like she belongs in Mexico, not America. She doesn't sound like an American speaking Spanish. When she uses her native tongue, she sounds like she belongs to her people. And this is what in the book of Acts, that's what they were saying. We're from 17 nations throughout the world, but it's as if they are speaking in our own native tongue. But he also talked about 
prophesying. Now, we have mentioned this several times because we've been going over this for, this will be the sixth week that we've been going through this section on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when talking about prophesying, it's either talking about forthtelling or foretelling. We think of prophesying, we often think of someone speaking about future events that have not yet taken place. And true, that does refer to the gift of prophecy, talking about something that is going to take place in the future that have not yet occurred. But it also speaks about foretelling, which is exactly what I am doing here in the pulpit today, that you're taking the word of God and you're proclaiming it before the people. Paul, as we have gone through this section, we find that though he spoke in tongues, though he had the gift of prophecy, he felt that it was important that the church would really lean heavily in their desire to have the gift of prophecy. Have you thought about this in your own life? Do you, at night, before you go to bed, pray, Lord, and give me the gift of prophecy? You know, I've been thinking about that a lot as we've been going through this section because I realize that it is not part of my prayer life. I rarely ask the Lord to give me prophetic visions, maybe because I'm afraid of what I might see. But he said in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy, especially that you may prophesy. And so the tongues and prophecies, verses 23 through 25, we find that the gifts, when they're used in the proper setting within the church, then they become either assigned to the unbelievers or to the believers, depending on the gifts that's being used. And the gift of tongues and the unbelievers, we learn in verse 23, therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are from the denomination that I was raised in, I mean, the uninformed, that was a joke, I'm sorry, or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? That's pretty much the denomination that I was raised in. They felt when they went to a church that was really hyped up, and the interesting thing, and here's one thing that I liked about my dad as a pastor, and though he was part of a denomination that taught against the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he wasn't opposed to visiting churches that participated actively in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So he exposed his whole fellowship in these things. And the way he did this for my dad and his fellowship is that they would hold monthly gospel singings, have quartets come in, but also they would go to other churches and visit the other churches that were doing the gospel singings as well. Oftentimes, these other churches were churches that were spirit-filled. So I was glad I had a broader vision of these things. Then, in Christian music, for 10 years, we played in every possible type church that you could imagine. From Catholic churches who were deathly afraid that we would tell people that they need to be born again, to uh, Assembly of God churches, to Baptist churches, just we 
played in a variety of churches to Calvary chapels. The very first Calvary chapel that I ever attended was at a concert that we were uh, putting on for Calvary Chapel of Elk Grove. I didn't even know there was such a thing as Calvary chapels at that time. And yet, it was there at Calvary Chapel of Elk Grove that the Spirit of God came upon me. And he spoke through me prophetically to the congregation. It was something that I'd never experienced before. The gift of the Holy Spirit uh, speaking into, into your life and through you when you realize that the words that are coming out of your mind, your mouth at that moment, that they're not of you, that they are of God. And so the gift of tongues in the unbelievers, if you come together, they, he's talking about ordering the church. He is not talking about not speaking with the gift of tongues. He's talking about proper order of things. And I think that is the thing that we just need to understand. He is not opposed to the gift of tongues. He's not opposed to the gift of prophecies. Uh, these are the two gifts that he zeroes in on. He's talking about their use in the proper order of things. He said in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Paul spoke with the gift of tongues. He thanked God that he, he would speak in tongues more than you all. He said, I, I have the gift of tongues and I use them often. But when the church came together in verse 40 of our chapter today, he said, let all things be done decently and in order. Also, we learned a couple of weeks ago in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 16 and 17. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, and he who occupies the place of the uninformed says, how will he say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? For indeed, you give thanks well, but the other is not edified. And so he's talking about the importance of bringing edification to the church. When gathered together as the body of Christ, Paul would rather have spoken five words of a known tongue than he said 10,000 words of an unknown language that it might bring edification, exhortation, and comfort to the body of Christ. Concerning the gift of prophecy in the unbeliever in verses 24 and 25, he says if an unbeliever comes in, the uninformed comes in, and he hears the gift of prophecy taking place, whether it is the foretelling of some future events or the declaration of the word of God, the foretelling of God's word, then the uninformed, the unbeliever, is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, the secret of his heart's being revealed, he falls down on his face, he worships God, and he reports that God is truly among that place. The idea when we present the word of God and is to bring conviction of personal sin, to convince people of the truth of God's word, that they might be able to worship God with the spirit of God that is among them. So often in church life, it seems in the last 10 or 20 years, in the church at large, not here at Calvary Chapel, but often it seems that we do not want to offend, so we won't talk about certain things. We won't talk about sin 
because we don't want to offend individuals. We don't want them to not come back to our church. So we preach happy messages that bring no conviction, bring no convincing. And therefore, the people can't truly worship the God that brings salvation to their life through faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13, that the word of God is living and powerful, is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and spirit of joints and marrow, is the discerner of the thoughts, the intents of the hearts. There is no creature hidden from his sight, that all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since nothing is hidden from God, he uses his word, whether written or proclaimed, to convince, to convict that the unbeliever might become a believer and worship he whom we will one day have to stand before. The word of God is used to convince and to convict that every individual will have that opportunity to become a believer in Jesus Christ. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. We'll be right back. 